Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Personally, the Sermon on the Mount is more difficult to follow than the Ten Commandments. Because much of the Ten Commandments are about these external things. The Sermon on the Mount, man, it's all a matter of the heart. Now, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, take you about, about 15 minutes. Took Jesus about, we don't know exactly, probably two or three days. Because he had illustrations and all kinds of things as he went through. And yet, after you do that, it's going to take you a lifetime of learning it and putting it into practice. The Sermon on the Mount can be regarded as one of the most priceless literary pieces in all of history. Within its content, mankind has a solid foundation for truly achieving peace. A teaching that lasted a few days but only takes us a few minutes to read can easily take a lifetime to learn and apply to our lives. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark starts us off in one of the greatest portions of Scripture in the New Testament. The Sermon on the Mount. In our study, Pastor Mark will encourage us to reflect on what the Christian life looks like on a physical, mental, and external level. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1, with part one of his message entitled, Get Ready to Be Blessed. I'm going to ask you three questions. It's about your life. It's not about your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, somebody next to you, your neighbor. It's about you. You'll see the three questions. Here we go. Number one, should a Christian, a follower of Jesus, be different? Be different in character from a non-Christian. Number two, should a Christian live life differently than a non-Christian? And number three, one that's a little more controversial even, should a Christian look different than a non-Christian? You see, these are the essences of an interesting teaching. Jesus has called, well, you remember last week. Well, some of you do. You just finally got your clock right and you finally made it. If you missed it, pick up the teaching so you won't miss our continuity. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus chose some men to be followers. He called them. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We learned last week that to follow God, we have to be available. It's going to take some radical obedience. They left everything to follow. And number three, well, God will change us to be like him, but he'll leave us with our personalities and gifts. Jesus said to these disciples last week this, follow me. And I'll make you just like me. Well, the first step to following God is a 
something called repentance. And we see in Matthew 4.17, you don't need to turn there. Jesus says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, if I'm going to be like Jesus, which means I'm going to be different than I was, I'm still going to be Mark Balmer, but spiritually I'm going to be like him, then I have to leave my old lifestyle of self and rule, and I have to turn to God and come under the rule of God in my life and just simply deny myself and follow him. And what we have, interesting enough, is this. The Bible says then that Jesus began to teach, and he taught, and he preached, and he healed people. And then we enter chapter 5, and the very first thing we see is he looks out, and there's this crowd of people. And he goes up to a mountainside somewhere in the Sea of Galilee. We've taught there many times. And he begins to call his disciples, those small group of followers that were really dedicated to following him. And he begins to teach. Now, why would he do that? Well, because he just said to them, You follow me and I'll make you like me. Well, what does it mean to be like Jesus? What does that look like? How am I going to know what to do? How to act? How to dress? What attitudes to have? That's why he began to teach. So this teaching, chapters 5, 6, and 7, is known as the Sermon on the Mountain. Or the Sermon on the, for short, the Mount. It is probably one of the best known teachings in all of the Bible. But it's really the, often the least understood and quite often, to be honest with you, the least obeyed. Well, here people say, you know, well, I'm really a Christian and, and, and I follow the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Really? Actually, I think personally the Sermon on the Mount is more difficult to follow than the Ten Commandments. Because much of the Ten Commandments are about these external things. The Sermon on the Mount, man, it's all a matter of the heart. Now, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, take you about, about 15 minutes. Took Jesus about, we don't know exactly, probably two or three days. Because he had illustrations and all kinds of things as he went through. And yet, after you do that, it's going to take you a lifetime of learning it and putting it into practice. And I want to challenge you to do something as we begin this series, and it's just going through the Bible. I encourage you to, once a week, remember we have the devotions from Tuesday through Sunday. You can get on the computer and do those. But I encourage you once a week, sit down with the translation of the Bible. It doesn't matter. And just read it in a setting. Take 15 minutes. Get this whole thing in a picture, in a kind of a context. And it'll be very good for you. So just kind of put that away in your mind. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, oh, once a week. Just once a week. Just do it in a reading. No study, no word study. Just, just read it. And it'll begin over these next few weeks, and it'll take us, obviously, a number of weeks to get through this. Many people call this the central message of the whole Bible in these little chapters. And what Jesus is saying is, since you've repented of that old lifestyle, and since you are now following me, I'm going to show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Man, is that practical today. It's for us. It's for you. It's for me. Now, keep your finger right there and turn all the way back to the book of Leviticus. You haven't been there for a while. Leviticus 18. 
Old Testament, right near the front of the Bible, Leviticus 18. And when you get there, look up at me. Later on in, well, one chapter later in Matthew 6, Jesus says something that's pretty shocking. He's speaking to the religious leaders who are hypocrites. And he's speaking basically about the world system that doesn't include God. And he says to his disciples, he says to his disciples, notice in chapter 6 verse 8, do not be like them. Don't be like the religious, you're going to follow me? You can't be like these religious people. They're hypocrites. Don't be like them. Don't be like the world system. Do not be like them. Already I'm answering the three questions I gave you. Hopefully you notice that. Now this isn't the first time that God has said to Christians, you can't be like the world. They're different. In Leviticus 18, well, let's read it. We'll begin in verse 1. We're just going to go about five verses. And the Lord said to Moses, now God speaking, to the leader of the children of Israel, He says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must notice, you might want to circle in your Bible, not do as they do in Egypt. Israel had just spent 400 years in Egypt. They were a pagan nation. They didn't believe in God. So God has delivered them. You remember the Red Sea and the Passover? And so they're they're on their way to the promised land. They're in between. And they're going to get ready to get to the promised land. Before they even get there, God says to Moses, Now tell your people, leave that lifestyle behind you. Do not be like the Egyptians. You can't copy their way of living. You can't copy their way of worshiping. Leave it alone. But he doesn't end it there. Let's read on. He says, Do not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live. And... You must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. So he says, you're going to leave this pagan world of Egypt you have. Don't bring that stuff with you. You're going to head into a new area called the promised land. Now, the promised land is filled with, well, all the Akites. You remember Malachites and the Amakites and the West Melbourneites and all those people. They were all pagan. They, they didn't live like God. So he says, when you get into this land, don't practice what they practice. You have to be different. You have to be different. Don't be like them. Let's read on. You must obey my laws. And be careful to follow my decrees. In other words, I set the standard. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws. For the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Well, why would God say in the Old Testament and Jesus say in the New Testament, don't be like them. Don't practice the way the unbeliever lives. What I want you to do is just take your Bibles. You're there in Leviticus. We're going to read just one or two verses. And then I'm going to ask you, in fact, I'm going to force you to go back to Matthew. I want you to see how specific God gets. Let's head off to verse 6. This is where we're Just take a look at your Bible. Look at it. Here's some practical illustrations. A no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. 
I'm the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relationships with your mother. She is your mother. Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would be a dishonor to your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister. Either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same house or elsewhere. Now stop there. Put your finger. Go all the way back to Matthew. Leave that passage alone. You want to read more? You can read more later. Not now. I know you eat sex. Oh, let's read on here and see what that's about. <laughs> Cut it out. Now let me ask you. Why would something weird like that be? Don't, don't have sex with your sister. We wouldn't need that instruction today, would we? Oh, no, no, pass my way. Who are you kidding? You see, our world, why was God very specific? Because that was the practices in Egypt. That would be the practices here in Israel. And it's the practice in our world today. Why? Because man's heart is incredibly wicked. Did you... You see the newspaper, you read the newspaper, you can't believe what you see anymore. Do you see the, the mom and the dad that abused a little five-year-old? Do you see it? With iron, 21 iron markings under kid? What is wrong with our world? Sin. So God says, he can't be like him. Don't be like him. You have to live different. Now, he said to his children of Israel, you're supposed to represent me. So you have to follow my guidelines, my teaching. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm going to teach you how to be a follower of me. Now, don't be like them. In fact, Jesus says, I have to tell you, you're Jewish, but you can't follow you Jewish religious leaders. Wow. <laughs> what? You can't, we can't follow our rabbis? Absolutely not. Why? Because they're tainted. They don't follow me. Now, that says that Jesus in this teaching, 5 through 7, it's going to be this huge contrast. It's going to be a contrast between Christians, religious people who say they're religious, but they're not really godly, and just the secular world that says, I don't want anything to do with God. So here's the first thing to write down today. A follower of Jesus is to be different from the religious and the irreligious. From the religious and the irreligious. You see, guys, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, we're to be different. We're to be different in our homes. I said to you earlier, the Christian world, the divorce rate in the Christian world is the same as the divorce rate in the secular world. Something's wrong. Now, that's not a statement of condemnation to you. Sometimes people, things happen under marriages you can't do anything about. The other person decides I don't want out and they're gone. That's all right. What are you going to do? You can't do anything about that. But guys, Jesus is going to talk about this later. You see, if we're going to be different, we're going to have to follow God's line. We have to be different in our homes. We have to be different in our businesses. Once in a while I have a person email me and say, you know, one of your people in the church, you know, work at my place or whatever. They always have somebody clock out for them. They're not even there. They clock them out. They work, but the last hour they don't work. They're mad at me because they didn't get the last raise. And so I've heard through the grapevine what they're saying is, this, I'm not working for him that last hour. He owes me that last hour. He didn't pay me that last raise, so I'm not going to work for him. Now, what is that? You see, if you're a Christian, you should be different at business. You should be the best employee there is there. Not me, Pastor Mark. They're underpaying me a buck. You'll answer for that. Plus, you're confusing the world. You see, I'm to be different, not just here in this building, 
but in my home. That's why I said to you guys, and I mean it very seriously, after this conference is over, won't be long and I'll get a call and Pastor Dean, Dave, Kenny, whatever, we'll get calls in the office. Here comes a guy in. My marriage is falling apart. Stuff is at my home, whatever. I'll say to him, uh, well, you've been to church recently? Well, I really don't have time to come too much. Uh, did you come to the men's conference? No, it wasn't really something I wanted to do. To be honest, in the flesh, I have to really watch myself because I get livid. You know why? I say this. Here you are. You need emergency surgery. But the medicine that could have healed your marriage is just given every single week in wonderful doses from 1045 to noon to 1215, 1220, 1225, something like that. <laughs> it's long-acting pill. It's, it's all right. But see, they won't do that. They wait until it's too late. Wake up this morning, guys. You're the spiritual leader at home. Don't come to us five weeks. I mean, we'll certainly pray with you then, but don't come in and go, you know, help. The reason you have to come is because you're not living today. We have to be different today. I have to, if I'm going to be a Christian, I have to be different in my approach to everyday living. I have to be different in my morals. I have to be different in how I treat people. I have to be different in how I handle my money. God's people are to be different than the world around us. Here's a statement you want to write. When you come under the rule of God, everything in your life will be different. That answers the opening question. Should I be different? Should I live different? Should I look different? Absolutely. Absolutely. There needs to be a change. Now, here's the problem. We had some people over for dinner on a Friday night, three couples, and because we knew they were coming over and we had the doors open over on the water because they thought enough breeze come through, but really it was going to be a little warm. So we don't, we don't run our air conditioning all the time. So I went and got the thermostat and adjusted the thermostat and said, I want it to come on. I want it to be 70. The thermostat is the standard. In the house, temperature came down to 70. That's what a Christian is to be. You're to be the standard. But you know what many Christians are? The thermometer. Whatever's happening, that's who you become. If it's a little off color, that's okay. I can be fine here. I raise my temperature to meet it. Over here, well, I'll just adjust to what's over here. No, you can't be. You need to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. And see, that hypocrisy, that wishy-wash, that, that confuses people when they go, well, you're a Christian, but I see you here, and you're doing that Pastor Mike, I go places where people don't see me. God sees you. And you're never going to answer to people. You're going to answer to God. So, Phillips has a wonderful translation of Romans 12, 2. I have it for you. Look what it says. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your minds from within. So that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all the demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. You see, you and I are a Christian this morning. We can't let the world squeeze us into its mold. We must be different. Well, Pastor Mike, I can't be different. Yes, you can. You have God living in you. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Empowering me to say yes when he asks me to do something and to say no when Satan tempts me. I can 
Be different. 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 Now look at verse 1 again. We're going to go through about four or five verses. That's all this morning. We'll go faster once we pick up these principles. I'm not sure how far I'll get, but I'll have to stop and explain along the way. Let's begin. Matthew 5.1. When he saw the crowds, do I have to stop there? Who is Jesus teaching? Well, what we know from the scripture is this, because it's very important you understand this today. It says that Jesus saw the crowds and he went up to a mountainside. What's really happening is this. He calls his disciples, the disciples come to him. So what takes place is, just picture it. I just went up to this mountainside and I sit down and I call, let's just go back 2,000 years ago, and I call the disciples to me. Quite often, a rabbi, when, when they would talk to people, many times they would stand, but when they began to teach, they would sit. Here I am. The disciples were those that were really serious about following him. So Jesus began to teach them. But any place that Jesus went, <laughs> crowds followed. Now in that crowd, what would you have? You'd have seekers. You'd have people that went, when's he going to do another miracle? By the way, he doesn't do any miracles in this teaching. You'd have... Skeptics, yeah, I heard about this guy. No way. Or you just have a friend dragging another friend along. And we know that he did focus on his disciples because they were the ones that were serious about being like him. But when you compare Matthew 5.1 with the end of chapter 7, the Bible says this, that the crowd at the end of this teaching, watch this, were amazed at his teaching because he taught with authority. So that means for those three days, it wasn't only the disciples that were getting it, the crowd was getting it. And I said this last week, let me remind you again. The crowd was getting it. They couldn't find a place to park. This church is too big. Jesus said, how many do we have here? Too many. See ya. No, he didn't do that. He just teaches. Now, what do we have in this room this morning? We have disciples. We have some of you that are very serious about being like Jesus. We have some of you that are seekers. You're kind of miserable in your life. You're looking for some answer, some meaning, some purpose. Somebody's invited you, heard about this place. You go, I want to check this place out. We have some skeptics here. This place is all about money. I know it is. Wonder why he didn't push the offering. I want to push it right now, just for you. Oh, sure, let's take a second one. No, no. You see, this place is about God. By the way, all of our bookstore, we get this a lot. The bookstore profits and the cafeteria profits, they all go to missions. Today in our study of the Gospel of Matthew, Pastor Mark encouraged us to ask ourselves some key questions regarding the Christian life. Introducing us to the Sermon on the Mount, Pastor Mark reflected on how we should be continually transformed by the teachings of Christ. In our lesson, we learned about the core message and transformation that ought to take place in each of our lives as followers of Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in to our next message as Pastor Mark teaches us about the blessings that are to follow when becoming a disciple of Christ. Far above any riches that this life has to offer, Pastor Mark reflects on the ultimate blessing of fulfillment and purpose that comes through fellowship with God. So tune in next time as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount and how to better apply it to our lives. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herd